My name is Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. Increasingly over recent years, fly fishing is being used to target all manner of fish including a great many species which might previously not have been considered suitable targets. Much of this has been at sea. Recently, my fishing colleague Graham Pullen had a blue shark on fly off Falmouth, and a couple of years ago I filmed an offshore fly fishing video in Scotland with Ian Burrett and Alan Hetherington, where several IGFA world tippet records for Pollock were taken and returned. On a subsequent visit to Northern Ireland, this inspired me to give it a go myself, and as a result I took the IGFA 4kg tippet record for coalfish. Freshwater anglers too are increasingly taking up the challenge, especially for pike and for carp. Pike fishing in particular has become the rapid interest growth area, particularly on some of the bigger trout reservoirs such as Chew Valley, where presumably hookups initially would have come about as accidental encounters. More recently, however, this has changed. Indeed, six times world fly fishing champion and fly fishing guide John Horsey, who is sat with me here on the lodge veranda at Chew as the boat starts to head back in, now offers fly fishing for pike as a regular inclusion to his guiding repertoire, and it has to be said, with outstanding success, including fish way up in the 30s, plus scores of £20 plus specimens. It's also worth noting that the biggest pike ever caught from Chew, which was again taken on a fly, weighed in at £40 8 ounces. Now I know from personal experience that Chew isn't the only fly fishing reservoir either giving up or containing large pike. Chew Valley is without doubt the best pike fishery in probably in Europe now. It's thrown up lots of 30 pound fish, so many 20 pound plus fish and now four fish of well over 40 pounds. So you're not far away from your magical sort of 46, 7 or whatever the record is at the moment. Rutland has also got big pike, Grafton's got big pike, Llandeg used to have big pike. Most of our reservoirs have got pike because pike anglers have put them in there. It's all been an act of sabotage, illegal stocking. So there's pike in Welsh reservoirs where there's not pike in a river anywhere near. And so we know what's happened, we know they've been put in there. And because they're drinking water reservoirs, the only way you could ever get them out is to drain it completely. But the thing is, if you did that and got every pike out, then people would just come along and put them in again. So I think what you've got to do is do what Chew Valley have done and manage the situation properly. And now they've got a great commodity. Um, they've got a fantastic resource in the pike. And uh, they've also got the best trout fishing we have had. I've been a guide for 20 years now, and I've never known the trout fishing to be as good as it is this year. And it's still fishing fantastically well now. So the pike are not obliterating the trout. We have times when trout don't feed, and trout die, and trout do all sorts of things. And um, it's very easy for people to point the finger at something like pike, eating them all. And before the pike were here, it was the cormorants eating them all. And before that, it was poachers taking them all. So anglers never blame themselves. If I don't do very well, it's my fault. End of story. And that's the way I look at everybody else that fishes as well. And as a guide, I can tell people why they're catching and why they're not catching. And I'll be honest with them. And I'll tell them how they can improve it, hopefully. But very few people, I find in my experience, actually blame themselves when they're not catching. And they don't blame their technique. And they don't blame their approach. So what you've got to do first and foremost, I think, is look at yourself. The pike is probably the fastest growing side of fly fishing, I think. Loads of people interested in catching these genuinely wild fish. Beautiful fish. Uh, They're seriously big, though. You know, I had four stitches in one finger from one that sunk its teeth into me. And uh, even if I'd had a glove on, it wouldn't have done any good because it would have been in the other hand anyway. So you get 
accidents with them so you do need to treat them carefully i still now use a glove for all the fish including the small ones because they're the ones you don't bother with and they're the ones that end up raking you and there's quite a bit of bacteria in the teeth and uh it is a little bit dangerous so you need have a glove big landing net some big flies go out and enjoy it it's fantastic fishing what is it then in your experience that makes some areas of water better not necessarily for the pike but for the catching of pike because it's one thing having them there but if you can't get a fly in front of them at most locations you might as well not have them there at all right the best lakes for pike are lakes with a lot of coarse fish and the reason chew's so good in my opinion is because there's a massive head of roach and a massive head of perch and pike predate on roach and perch they don't want to chase trout they're too fast for them the pike might be the fastest swimming fish in fresh water but it's only over a short distance they will not outstrip and outrun a fit two and a half pound trout just doesn't happen they'll pick up dead stuff that dies and goes onto the bottom and so that will keep them going through the winter months so you know they're real scavengers pike but you need plenty of coarse fish you also need shallow water and uh, if you get that combination then it can really work and here we've got a really fertile lowland reservoir that's absolutely teeming with invertebrate life and teeming with small roach and perch and teeming with trout and teeming with pike and it's shallow average depth 13 feet of top water whereas you get to land Egfirth, the average depth 44 feet so it doesn't lend itself well to fly fishing for pike and also there's not good spawning grounds in those sort of deep reservoirs they're not good here we've got massive reed beds and on chew valley lake probably over half of the lake is unfishable from the bank you just can't get to it because of the reed beds so it's a great boat lake and also it's got lots of areas which are all really nature reserves it's great so it's possible then to book a boat, turn up at the lodge and buy a ticket, then head out onto the lake with no intention of fishing for trout, yet still have very good prospects of an excellent day's sport. Absolutely fantastic, the best prospects. I mean, my day, if I'm out with one client, I normally only take one because I'm a little bit worried about people casting the big flies. So if they're really good fly anglers, fine, I don't mind them being one at each end. But I usually fish with my clients and um, my baseline is £100 in the day. You get £100 a pike, that's been a good day. £200 is a really good day, and £300 is your red letter day. And we get them with plenty of 20s in a day, and fish to over £40 have been caught on the fly now. And I don't understand why more of these so-called, the guys are out here now, all these bait anglers, all these so-called brilliant PAC members and pike anglers, why they don't learn to fish the fly. My honest opinion is that it's too hard for them. They don't even lure fish, most of these guys. They just watch floats. And then they catch a big fish and they pat each other on the back. Brilliant angling. Well, not really. It's just picked up your dead bait off the bottom. And you happen to be the lucky one that it's done it to. And if you're here a lot, you've got a, a better chance just by being here a lot of catching a big fish. Doesn't make you a brilliant angler, unfortunately. But uh, what these guys... If I catch 30-pound pike on a bait, I think that's great fish. But I don't really think I've done much to deserve it. If I catch it on a lure, then that's good. But if you catch it on a fly, I mean one bit of fur and feather on the end of a fly line casting 20-25 yards or something catching massive pipe with one single barbless size 6.0 hook it's just a great achievement really so I don't know why more people don't do it and for those people who might be a little hesitant is it possible then to mix a bit of trout and pike fishing obviously on different outfits during the same day yep definitely I do loads of mixed days trouble is I've got to have an even bigger boat to take more tackle out with me so the rods you're going to use for pike fly fishing aren't the rods you're going to use for trout fly fishing. You know, I use nine foot nine weight rods for all my pike fishing. That's perfectly adequate. You can get away if you've got nine foot eight weights, so you go bone fishing or something. 
that'll chuck an eight or a nine line with the big flies. I don't use massive flies either. That's another thing. These aren't eating rainbows, you see. They're eating roach, so I'm trying to imitate what they're feeding on. I have deliberately caught small pike on the fly in the past and have seen some very nice ones also hooked up accidentally. But in terms of popularity, deliberately fly fishing for pikes, as far as I'm concerned, is a fairly new phenomenon. Or is it? So how and when did you switch your emphasis from trout to pike? Pike fishing on the fly in places like Holland has been going for years. They've um, Adswire and other people have been into their pike fly fishing for a long time. In the UK, I've probably been pike fly fishing now for probably the last ten years, I should think. Yeah, eight, ten. Yeah, I should think so. Ten years. And it was a couple of guys that caught some twenties that showed me what they were doing, and their idea was to fish a pretty big tube fly, anchor up and then move in 50 yards and didn't catch anything then move in and we were catching in the middle of nowhere not around the reed beds not in areas where there's any specific sort of feature the pike seem to like nice areas certain areas here that they like and I watched a guy who was in the England team at the time Jeremy Herman he was fishing one day and he was fishing in Villas Bay and I, I thought there's not a lot of trout in there so I saw him at the end of the day and I asked him what he'd been fishing for and he said oh, I shouldn't tell you really but oh, I've been fishing for pike I've caught 30, I've caught 30. And Jeremy could never keep a secret. And he'd actually killed a couple that were in the boot of his car. And his girlfriend was in the car, not in the boot of his car, but she was in the car. <laughs> and uh, she didn't seem best pleased that he had these big old dead pike in the back of the car. But I think he got them set up. They were big fish. So I went out the next day and I was determined to go out and have a fish for him as well. And I asked Lee, who works in the, in the lodge here, to come fishing, and he didn't want to. And my other mate, Martin Cottis, was actually away doing flooring I think in Watford so I rang him up at half past five and said I just had a one that's close to 20 pounds and over the course of that evening I finished at half past eight so I only went out for three hours I stopped counting at 30 I just wanted to catch as many as Herman had caught the day before and in that evening in six casts I caught nearly 100 pound a pike and I sat down and stopped fishing because I thought this is easier than any stocky rainbow fishing I've ever done it just doesn't seem right it was flat calm there were fish rolling on the surface and I never realized then I'd never have another day like that and I haven't but I have had lots of good days but that was just one of those learning curves that you just get once in your life and uh, I put the fish back I killed a couple a couple of 10 pounders took them back to my local pub gutted them in their sink because I just wanted to know why there were so many fish in that area and I thought a couple of 10 pounders you know I'm catching 20 pounders here it's not going to hurt and I gutted them and they were absolutely empty just a few buzzers in them that's all but I've worked out now that they'd spawned they come out of the reeds after spawning and they're waiting for the roach to go in, which is why they're in these areas. And then once the roach went in to spawn, then they start snapping them up. With accidental encounters, you hook up pike on whatever trout fishing gear you're using on the day and have to make the best of it. But specifically targeting pike with the fly is a different matter. So can we now start to look at the equipment required, starting with the rods? Right, nine foot nine weight rods, saltwater type reels, you want fly lines that are specifically designed to cast big flies. So they're on the market now, you can get pike lines. Hardys make them, Airflow make them, Guideline makes some really good fly lines as well. And then you want some bigger flies, you need a bite tippet of some description. I don't use wire, never liked wire. You can't knot it like you can, so we use things like Pro Leader or Tough Leader. There's some other leaders out there as well that have got a Dyneema core and a braided stainless steel sheath, so you can knot it. And if it tangles up, you just give it a pull up fluorocarbon and it straightens out. It's brilliant stuff. So that's what we use, an armoured leader. And you want a big landing net, and I would recommend people to get a £50 weigh net. So you get your fish in your net and you can weigh it in the net. You don't even have to put it in a sling, you don't have to handle it very much. 
take your photograph, good camera, and then put it back. Reels, they don't make big runs, Pike. They fight hard around the boat, and they'll pull your boat right round. With two of you or three of you in it, they'll turn you right round, a 20-pound pike. But they don't make long screaming runs, so I tend to use my normal sort of saltwater reels with a disc drag that I can just tighten up and play it off the reel if, if I want to. Are there any particular makes the models worthy of specific mention here? The best rods in the world at the moment are the Heidi Centrix rods. The Heidi Centrix saltwater rods or predator rods that we use are the Heidi Pro Axis rods. So 9 foot 9 weight or 9 foot 8 weight, they'll cast 9 weight lines. You don't need a 10 weight, 10's too much. My reels are all Heidi's and Grey's as well, as long as they've got a disc drag and all of them do, so they'll be whatever you choose. I would spend more money on the rod if you've got a budget to work for. Spend your money on a really top quality rod and don't worry so much about the price of the reel, but then make sure you've got top quality fly lines to cast these big flies. What kind of fly lines would you be looking at here? Weight forward nines, all of them. You definitely want for Chew Valley a die three. You want an intermediate, clear intermediate. You want a guideline type 1-3 sinker and you want a guideline floater. They're the best lines that I use at the moment. Great tapers. What about backing? They don't really strip you down to the backing, but just have normal backing. They're not long runners. They're not like bonefish that might take 200 metres, you see. They, they, you'll hardly ever get the backing out. Unless, of course, you get one right at the end of your cast. And then they do, sometimes the big ones will turn and go the other way. When I know I've got a big fish is when they turn and they go the other way and you can't hold them. So just normal sort of backing, 100 metres or so. Can we now start to look at the flies themselves? From my own experience, as limited as that is of targeting big fish, including pike with large weighty flies, getting the casting distance and final presentation right is nowhere near as easy as when casting smaller imitative patterns for trout. Because I'm a competition angler, we make the fly lines do what we want for the flies, so we don't add weight very often to flies. I might epoxy a head, that'll be all I do. But don't use any dumbbell eyes, anything like that. All my flies are tied on size 6O's, and I squeeze the barb down on all of them. And that's not just for the good treatment of the fish, it's also if you hook yourself, because you get a 6-0 fly in the back of your head, you know, it's not like getting a little trout hook. You want to be able to get it out pretty quickly, so I do barb the hooks. We're going to release all our fish anyway. But the flies mainly are probably no bigger than four inches. And we use lots of sparklers. Um, we use EP fiber flies, um, lots of different colors. Most people that come here just use big white flies. Well, the trouble is they wise up to white after a while. So you need a few different colors and a few somber colors. But what? remember, you're trying to imitate small fish, not trout. So is that a particular species of fish or are they more generic in terms of patterns and sizes? It's the size is a critical thing. I don't even make them look like fish anymore. I can see these wonderful flies tied up, and I see people who are so-called pike fly fishing experts who have all these flies. Absolute and utter waste of time. I've tied them myself, so I can tie good flies, and I've tied them to look like bait fish, with nice big eyes and everything else, and stripes like a perch. It's more important to just have movement in the fly, in my opinion. Far more important. I mean, we're catching a lot of fish, and a lot of these guys come here and they don't do very well with all their wonderful flies and take ages to tie up. It's more like model making, really. But then that's my whole approach to trout fishing as well. I'm not interested in how many knee bends there might be in a Rhychophilia insect. People like Ollie Edwards tie the most amazing flies and they're wonderful creations, but I wouldn't want to fish with them. I'm more interested in giving something at the right speed, at the right depth. That's a critical thing, and something that's not going to scare them off. 
and with pike it's that movement as much movement as you can get from the second it hits the water as it's sinking you get takes on the drop you get takes on the retrieve fish it fast fish it slow you want as much mobility as possible in the fly and can anglers actually buy these things over the counter yeah you can buy them full and mill make a lot you can buy them from other people professional fly tires around the country we don't charge anywhere near enough for our flies in this country everybody wants them for next to nothing I mean, I've been a guide for 20 years, and people ask me to tie flies for them. I'll give them flies, but I don't tie flies for people. And when I normally say, yeah, there are five or each, that normally does the trick. I'm not going to spend hours, you know, tying up flies for 50 pence, something like that. It's just not worth it. Are there any particular patterns that you think stand out? Uh, there's a fly called a tinsel town, but full of mill tie, and that's about as good a fly as you're going to get. It's really light, it's got loads of movement. And uh, it's about two pound, two pound fifty for a fly. So great value for money. They fall apart, but then bike have got three hundred plus teeth, so you know, just buy a few of them. And because these things tend not to be as aerodynamic as what trout anglers certainly will be used to, are there any casting tips you can throw into the mix which might help? Yeah, it's, it's not difficult. As long as you can cast a fly, the important thing is to have a rod that's strong enough to do it, powerful enough to do it and you've got a fly line with the right profile. That would be the best tip I could give you. Get a good quality fly line with a great profile. Got a very short front taper, and that helps to propel the flies. Any observations regarding retrieve rate? Same as trout fishing. You've got to chop and change it. Give them what they want, not what you want to give them. Most people go out and strip the living daylights out of it, thinking it's got to be a fish fleeing from a pike. Another load of rubbish. Figure of eight is one of the best retrieves, nice and steady. They'll take it three or four times sometimes on one retrieve. But when you get a take, don't strike. Point your rod at the fish and strip strike it as you would in saltwater fishing. If you lift your rod and strike, you pull it out its mouth every time. And size apart, what in your experience is the key difference in terms of fight that separates a pike from a trout? Sheer power, weight and power. They're in control. A 30 pounder is always in control, you're not. And if they come up and they shake their heads, they'll throw any hook out, treble hook, single hook, whatever. So you really need to be careful and they are seriously strong, heavy fish. You know, they're big, three feet odd long. They are serious pullers. As an outsider looking in, for me, Chew is the number one water with the big pike reputation. I'm sure it isn't only because pike fishing is allowed or even encouraged here. Perhaps there are other trout waters capable of similar things. In your opinion then, does Chew head the list because it is so special or because other fishers are perhaps not far-sighted enough to include pike in what they have to offer. Most waters allow it. No, I don't know any that don't. The ones that don't allow fly fishing for pike, it's very short-sighted. They're also missing out on potential income. And at the moment, when just about every fishery in the country this year has made a loss, and their numbers are all down, there's no doubt about that, they need to be able to attract more anglers, and this is one way of doing it. So I know quite a lot of fisheries because I go to all the major ones running Lexus seeds. They all wish they had pike in their waters. They don't say we don't want them anymore because they can see that people want to fish for them. The only place that don't allow, strangely enough, is Blagden because Blagden is well over 100 years old, never had any pike in it. It's got very few coarse fish, but they were stuck in to Blagden as well. Now, this is a big commercial fishery at 1,200 acres with a lot of roach and a lot of perch. It can handle the pike pressure, whereas Blagden only got a few perch so the pike are either going to have to eat the perch so they'll go eat each other or eat the trout so what will happen is that nature will find its way of sort of balancing it anyway but 
they've decided not to allow any pike fishing there. But I would allow it personally. I would say, yeah, fly fishing for pike is fine, but we'll never allow trials, so we won't allow bait fishermen. Because it'll be the bait anglers that put them in. It won't be fly anglers. It'll be bait, and they're not getting their way then. So I would see that as being a good compromise. Because you won't get them out now. Just got to live with it. And what realistic chance might you have of actually catching them from the shore? Yeah, you can catch them from the shore, but you cast in into fairly shallow water a lot of the time and um, you will catch them I've caught them from the shore but when the levels drop down you're using quite big flies you get snags you get snagged up you're losing your big flies and things they might have taken you half an hour to tie up that sort of thing so it can be a little bit frustrating and also if there's a pike there you'll catch it pretty quickly and quite often another one won't come in so you've got to be mobile and move around but you can definitely do it Chew, as you've said, is a fantastic pike water, and as you've also said, pike present no big threat to trout stocks. So what is it then that makes water such as Chew big pike friendly? The main reason that we've got a lot of pike here and it's successful is because of the coarse fish. Lots of roach, lots of perch, that's the critical thing. Plus you've got shallow water and you've also got so many invertebrates. We killed a fish this year to find out what it was feeding on, just an eight pound pike. And it's absolutely stuffed with black buzzer, nothing but black buzzer. We see them come up head and tail, taking buzzers off the top. And if there's hawthorn flies, they'll come along and take those. This is 20 pound pike we're talking about. Now you never read about that in Pike and Predators magazine or any of these so-called brilliant pike anglers. And one of the things that I've noticed, and one of the fishery scientists I fish with, Stuart Clough, and he works for a company called APAM. He is a fishery scientist by trade, and he writes for Anglers Mail every week. And he a really interesting thing to me he said how does a pike know how big it is and it's a really interesting thing that i've never even asked a question before because i said well why would a 26 pound pike take a black buzzer because that's the biggest buzzer caught pike to date from my boat it's one of my clients called it it's hooked properly in the mouth and he said well when they're small and when they're right through to about three or four pounds they only eat invertebrates the same as trout same as roach same as perch but then they start to eat other fish so they will have a go at fish then and you think, as it gets bigger, its eyes don't get that much bigger. And it's been used to eating invertebrates, so why don't they just take it? And the, the answer is they do. It doesn't know how big it is. That's why a 15-pound pike will have a go at another 15-pound pike, and it'll T-bone it, and you'll see them laying dead on the bottom, because once they get fish in their mouths crossways, they can't get rid of it. So, you know, you do see things like that. Plenty of jacks take fish the same size or even bigger, because they don't realise. It's quite an interesting thought, actually. It was quite thought-provoking, and, I, and so many pike are caught here on small, small flies. And I know they are on mayfly on the river test. They come up and take mayfly off the top, just like the trout do. And in Ireland, they frequently come up and get caught on mayfly patterns. We've looked in some detail at the technicalities of catching pike on the fly. Let's now look at the practicalities and how, for those who want it, people can link up with you in your capacity as a guide. I've been a professional guide for 20 years. This is my 20th year. I'm the first person ever to be a fishing guide in the UK. There was never any trout fishing guides before I did it. Loads of casting instructors, but they're not fishing guides. Around the world, in Australia, Tasmania, New Zealand, America, has been trout guides for a long time, but not in this country. So I take anybody out, from beginners through to experts, but I probably take an awful lot of very, very good anglers who are good, they catch fish, but they don't catch as many as they feel they should be catching so they want to find out why they're not and often it's three or four small things that if you can identify and put those three or four small things right it makes them a much much better angler 
and I love those days because people are like dry sponges then and they want to find out what's going on and they're good anglers anyway. I do teach people from scratch but I would prefer they went and got casting instruction first. It's not something I really love doing because I find it very frustrating. I want to get people straight into fish and improve their fishing not have the frustrations of casting so I think there's casting instructors and there's people around that love doing that sort of thing so let them do it that's brilliant and then come to me and I'll teach them how to fish properly and fish better hopefully but I love days of showing people how to catch on dries showing people not to be scared of flat calms that you should embrace and love flat calms because fish are always feed in calm conditions also sinking line fishing massive skills in sinking line fishing and people don't quite get it you know, they just think they've got they've got lovely floating lines, they've got all the little nymphs, they've got things, and they've got one sinker. And that sinker is just a medium sinker. They don't even know how fast it sinks. So, you know, once you get people catching on imitative patterns on sinking lines, you see that a whole new world opens up for them as well. So I'm happy to take people, and I'll go anywhere. I give clinics in New Zealand. I'm going to New Zealand in March. I went to the USA a month ago. Been to Canada, Tasmania. Australia, giving fly fishing clinics, teaching their anglers to be better anglers, and that's great fun. And it's a privileged position to be in. And specifically on the pike guiding? Pike guiding is a little bit different because I don't really want to take beginners. You need to be able to cast. If you can't cast, you'll have a really frustrating day. And you need to be able to cast 15 yards whenever you want to. That's far enough. And if you can cast 20, it's even better. But 15 yards before you actually come fishing with me so I'll take I will take two people but most of the time it's only one because I need to know both anglers are good because one's going to be casting over not one but two people's heads so it can be a bit dangerous I like to take one person out I like to fish myself because then I know if I'm not catching them then there's a good chance that they're not going to catch them if I can catch them even if they can't we know they're on and it's possible but when I'm sat with two people who are struggling a bit to cast and knowing if they could put an extra 10 yards on every cast, they would be catching. It's not only frustrating for them, it's frustrating for me as well, so I tend to take one person. I can supply all the tackle, so they don't need to go out and buy specialist rods, reels, or lines, or flies. I'll provide everything for them. And so all they need to do is turn up with plenty of enthusiasm, a packed lunch, and a bottle of wine if they want as well, be even better. (laughs) (laughs) Is that to celebrate the big fish? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and a camera, definitely. So what size of fish might we be celebrating and photographing here? I've had fish up to 34 on the fly and uh, lots of 20s. I couldn't tell you how many. I ought to count them up, really. But what I have been doing, which I haven't told you about, I've been tagging fish for the last three years. And I've now tagged uh, almost 700. And I'm getting a lot of recaptures. Myself, I'm getting 10% recaptures. It's the only true way of knowing how much weight a fish has put on in a year where it's the distribution is the frequency of capture and I tag them with proper tags that Bristol Water supply me with and we tag them in the dorsal fin with a tagging gun and uh, if a pike puts on two pound in a year that's about the maximum size so it's quite you would expect them with so many trout if they're eating trout the average size of trout here at the moment is three pound would you believe it and throughout all the years I've fished here 20 odd years the average weight has always been two pound two pound plus so you've only got to have a two pound trout in their system and they will increase weight so you know I really do believe it's roach and perch the main predation sometimes I get a pike that's put on five pounds in a year but then the next one I get might have lost weight so they're not putting on the amount of weight that I would expect them to put on but it is interesting and the recapture rates are quite interesting I caught one within 40 minutes of when I caught it previously 
so most of the time you think you catch a decent pike and it puts it off the feed and it puts it off but you know these sort of things tagging them just proved to you maybe there's not the head of pike we think there is in here maybe a lot are being recalled and the only way you're going to do that is to actually tag them to find out but the problem i have is when these pike anglers come down and a lot of these are pac members who should know better they're not bothering to give us any of the details of the pike tag and in fact i know that some of them are pulling them out because i think they think i'm just running a little scheme where i'm finding how big my fish are getting they also don't like to think that someone's caught the fish they've caught because they're a little bit anal that way and they also i think that they think i'm trying to prove they're eating the trout and what I'm actually hoping for is that they're not predating on trend, they're predating on coarse fish, yeah, which will right. keep a lot of people happy. Talk us through your typical true pike fishing day. Pike fishing as with trout fishing, you never know what the day's going to throw at you. I hardly ever start a day fishing where I finished it the day before. The winds change, everything changes. So really, we go out, I supply all the kit, I take a fish finder with me for pike, I don't bother with trout, but I do for pike to try and get the depths. I'm trying to look for sort of 10 foot of water a lot of the time, and I'm definitely looking for no weed. Pike are ambush predators, but not on chew. So I don't go for any reed beds, anything like that. I've got areas I know pike are in. I watch other people fishing, I watch them with binoculars a lot of the time, so I watch what's going on. I'm an observant fisherman, if you like. We take people to where they've got a good percentage chance of catching, and we will move about different places. We hardly ever do the same drift twice. Pike don't like lots of boats going over them all the time. And we just fish it and hope that we can get one of these 20-pound fish, because that's a fish of a lifetime. What part might seasonality and specific conditions play here? There's no favourite times, no favourite conditions. My favourite conditions are flat calms for everything, because fish always feed in flat calms. But it's not anglers' favourite conditions. Overcast, with a breeze... It's lovely conditions and normally fish feed during those conditions as well. Bright sun and wind is the kiss of death for almost all fishing. But with pike, you can still have good days in flat car in uh, bright sun and wind. So you've always got a chance, which is why it's great to have a mixed day, really. So you've got track tackle and pike tackle. You can have a go at both. Any particularly memorable incidents or amusing little anecdotes to share with us here? Four stitches in my index finger being bitten by a pike wasn't a great thing especially going to my local doctors and they were sending one doctor in after the other to see the fisherman who'd been bitten because they all know I'm a professional fisherman so that wasn't very good and also having my finger sort of taped up and I fished that that afternoon even though I had my finger taped up and in a sling I was still out fishing and I had tennis elbow last year through casting the big pike flies and trying to wrench in a pike so I had to learn how to cast left-handed so I was fishing left-handed for a lot of last year and casting and when you hear a fly coming through the air, if you hear it coming, it'll get you. You can't duck, there's not enough time. And I pierced my back of my blooming coat hood so many times, and that's another reason I always debarb the flies. With enthusiasm in fly fishing expanding its boundaries as it is, might there be any mileage in a separate fly caught record list? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, probably is. But uh, I don't know who'd sort of win what in it. It's difficult as well from boats because you're not allowed to... If you're going to claim a record, you've got to wear it on dry land. And so that means having to drag a fish all the way in, you might be a mile across the lake to take it on the dry land, which will probably end up, by the time you release it, it'll put so much stress on it, it'll probably kill it. So I think really what they need to do as well is change some of the rules they've got for this as well. Something I, as a sea angler, have long argued with the powers that be. Weight is only one way of expressing a fish's size. There are lots of other innovative methods which could easily be adapted. And while some may not be as effective as weight, it remains the same for everyone, on top of which the fish goes free. 
I don't like the measuring stuff. That's a load of tripe most of the time. It's not very accurate, I don't think. I don't like doing that. And I also don't like putting a measure around a girth of a fish and a length. I think you handle it far too much. The weigh net is brilliant. It's pretty accurate. You can weigh them in the net. Once they get over, well over 20 pounds, I'll put them in a sling and weigh them with a set of Reuben heat and scales so I do it properly. But you don't want to take them onto the land. I think they need to have, you know, maybe make allowances for people who are catching them in boats. Because I think the record will come from here and it'll be caught in a boat. And what's going to happen then? Finally, what's the future for you personally in terms of guiding or fishing for pike, for you specifically as a pike venue of increasing note, and of pike fly fishing generally? I just hope that... Um, Chew doesn't go the way that a lot of other reservoirs have gone. The first few years for pike fishing is great and then it just dies. This hasn't been the case. This is the only venue that's bucked the trend. So I'm hoping that the pike will continue to thrive. I'm hoping that the roach population and the perch population will continue to thrive because that's what's keeping these pike in great condition. I'm hoping that Bristol Water will continue to manage it the way they are, which is very a very well-managed system and not bow to pressure from trout anglers who are complaining that the pike are eating all the fish because it's very obvious from this year with the brilliant fishing we've got that that just isn't the case simply isn't the case there's other factors that come to play so i just want you to continue fishing i'd like to see some pike fishing at blagdon on the fly but not on dead baits or lawns and i hope more places in the country sort of embrace it and uh, i think for years people were killing grayling on the rivers because they're eating the salmon eggs or eating the trout eggs. Well, now we're embracing grayling as a great species to fish for. I'd rather fish for them a lot of the time than the trout. And there are other species like perch. You know, they're now a revered species. So, you know, I, I think whatever the fish is, we need to embrace it, try and fish for it, and release it most of the time. There's no point in releasing the trout because most of them don't overwinter. So, you know, rainbow trout, brown trout will, though, so they've got a chance. That's it. As I say, we're sat outside the lodge with the boats just starting to come back in and the sailing club rib flying about all over the place. But it's mid-November now, so with the sun well and truly dipped behind the horizon, it's freezing cold and time to get back inside to warm up before starting the long journey home. All that remains is to say a very big thank you to John for sharing his pike fishing experiences with us here and hopefully pointing a few more prospective practitioners in that direction. Mm-hmm.